Bill Hoverston, an actor, writer, producer, stand-up comedian, and the host of But You're Not Funny, a podcast for young-at-heart boomers and boomers-to-be looking to live happier and healthier lives. Welcome to But You're Not Funny. My guests today are Dr. Dana White and Jonathan Staggers two special individuals that I'm honored to know. Together, you guys are creating a most amazing YouTube series on the Tao Te Ching that leaves me in awe with the beauty and the wisdom of every single episode. And I so appreciate your agreeing to appear on my podcast. Today, we're going to explore football and the Dow. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, uh, I met you both virtually at the Mastery Circle Los Angeles, and I was struck by your deep and uh, reflective insight. So I was actually inspired to see if we could, in this short time, touch on both of your stories and also the Dao De Ching series that we are privileged to watch um, during the Mastery Circle every single week. So let me start with you, Dana. Now you went to Occidental College and USC. You've had many roles, Dana, as a producer, designer, editor, photographer, poet. You've been an environmental activist, produced industrials for McGraw-Hill developing training for first responders, and also producing theatrical film trailers about air quality. Mm -hmm. Well, Dana, you share names with a big figure in the world of sports. The other Dana White, who is president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, UFC, right? the world's largest mixed martial arts organization. Now, I don't know if you ever get calls or emails. Actually, I do. <laughs> when I had an answering machine, mm -hmm. back in the days of the landline, oh, yes. I would get calls from people who either wanted to fight for him. Yeah. And they wanted to step into the ring against some of these people. <laughs> or I would get people who were not happy with him and they kind of wanted to take him out back. Oh yeah. my gosh. And there was a certain vehemence to the, to the recorded message. My wife, Allison, actually did have a similar problem with football. Before I met her a few years ago, her last name was Davis. And she was listed in the phone book as initial A. Davis. Now, back then, a guy named Al Davis owned the LA Raiders football team, and the fans were known for both rabid loyalty uh, and physical violence. Mm -hmm. So when he announced that he was moving the team to Oakland, all hell broke loose in LA. He went for, in one day from celebrity to scum. <laughs> Raiders fans wanted to cuss him out and more. <laughs> the problem was he wasn't listed in the phone book 
but initial A Davis was. So she started getting calls at two or three in the morning from drunken Raiders fans calling for Al Davis. Don't you just love waking up <laughs> to a phone call where they're screaming obscenities at you in the middle of the night? And these guys were so drunk that they didn't even realize it was a woman they were talking to. So <laughs> when she told them it was the wrong number, they would yell even louder. So she just started hanging up. So you know the feeling, perhaps, Dana. I'll make a restaurant reservation. Yep. And uh, I, sh I show up rather than the other Dana White. But, <laughs> Disappointment uh, all around. I've always loved the idea of, of sports and athletics as a metaphor for human participation in a broad field of events. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You need to be fluid and agile and, and have coordination and response. You need to know when to fold. You need to know when to pull back and go forward. And these are all abilities to engage. That's great. Hey guys, we're gonna take a little break right now and we'll be right back to talk with Jonathan. This is But You're Not Funny. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our website, butyourenotfunny.com. And we're back. Jonathan, you were from Richmond, Virginia, oldest of three kids. Your father was a basketball coach and your first cousin was Arthur Ashe. So sports was in your blood. Yeah, I was brought up um, on small black um, campuses, college, and I would carry guys' helmets and have basketballs, dribble a basketball. Um, I had a lot of freedom. Nice. In grade school, we lived in Tennessee, South Carolina, Virginia, Delaware, Virginia, South Carolina. And I spent summers in DC and in California. My, hmm. my father had taken a job at Lincoln University in Jefferson City. They had enrolled me in the public school, um, ninth grade, and I had a choice. Mm -hmm. And I liked the way the Catholic school looked. And so I went there. Yeah. And so before that time, it was all in, in a segregated society, basically. In moving to Missouri, even though living in the black neighborhood, um, the school that I chose, I was the only black in the school. Right. So you went to the University of Missouri. You mm -hmm. were a star running back and wide receiver there. Yeah. And then in the late 60s and 70s, I think you said as you were finishing college, the atmosphere all around the country, race riots, anti-war demonstrations. And ironically enough, while a lot of guys were being drafted by the army and sent to Vietnam, you were fortunate enough to be drafted by the Steelers and sent yeah. to Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's a story in itself. In college, the first injury I got in my sophomore year was dislocating my shoulder. Ouch. Yeah. My senior year, it came out again that week of the Orange Bowl. And I played in that game. I went to Hawaii, played in the hula ball. Then I came back 
And in January, I had an operation for my shoulder. Because of that operation, when I went to take a physical for the US Army, they put one Y, um, come back in three months. Mm -hmm. Because I was drafted by the Steelers, and because of Rocky Blyer, that was his first year coming back. He was not quite on the team. He was on injured reserve because he had been wounded in Vietnam. The Steelers, when I took the physical for the army, they got me into the reserve. And that's how. Wow. Yeah. Playing a sport, the conditioning, it's not natural to want to go run full speed and hit somebody <laughs> with, with your body. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not too natural. <laughs> or to be hit by some, by not just one person, but by 11 guys if they can get to you. Hmm. So there's a conditioning that you take on, really. Sure. Video of Jonathan scoring uh, a touchdown for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But he runs back, what, about 65-yard touchdown? Something like that. And Something like that. And it's so cute at the end. He raises the ball up. <laughs> I mean, he is just as, you know... There's a oh. reason why people love you, Jonathan. I mean, you know. <laughs> All right. Come on. <laughs> there came uh -oh. a moment when I was playing. In fact, I was up in Boston, and I was with Green Bay, and I was playing against a friend. Um, in other words, somebody that I had known in Pittsburgh um, with the Steelers. And he, the position he played was a, a free safety. And... I would come down to block and he wouldn't see me. And I would yell out his name so that he would look at least right before I hit him that he could then take care of himself. Uh -huh. And during that time, I'm like going back now to the huddle. What's I'm questioning myself, what's happening with me? The fact that you had alerted him. Yeah, what's happening with me? I mean, you don't do that. Uh -huh. Wow. You know, and so that was one of the first times I'm going, what's going on with, with myself? And if you notice in sports, yeah, you have your number on the back yeah. or your name on the back, but it's a uniform. So you're, you're, you're not taking it personally, right? You're not hitting your friend or a person. It's mm. the other side. Mm. It's, if you want to say it, an enemy. And in order to, for me to have, prepared to be able to play yes. um, at a high level. I had to not just train, but also build up um, this energy that I would, I would use whatever happened in the life, whatever was happening in the life that was negative, take it on, build it. And that's what I would use to explode and to get out what could come out through me. So what you're saying, all your, your frustrations, tensions, disappointments, anger, rage, everything you channeled it into your play you hit some, you, yeah. on the field. You, because it's not natural. Oh. And so after the game, be really completely relaxed, completely <laughs> at ease, oh. and then go home and replay, replay, replay what you didn't do, what you had wanted to do. 
You see the game, you play the game over. Torture your mind. Yeah. So you were with the Steelers, you were with the Green Bay Packers, and you were with the Detroit Lions. Yes. You played six seasons all together. Yes. And then you had an injury. I did. This was an Achilles, but it was more to do with me not listening. <laughs> um, my body let me know my ankle was hurting. My foot was hurting. But I continue. I keep going. You keep going. Play through the pain. Yeah. So, Jonathan, this injury. (laughs) Yes. This injury that you had caused you to go in a completely different direction. And it led to acting. And six years of acting with the American Conservatory Theater. Is that well, first? I studied there, but I'd study at many different um, theater groups in in the oh. Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing part-time jobs on a sports field. I can express myself, be it basketball or be it football, mm-hmm. completely express myself. But in everyday life. I had a very difficult time being able to express myself. Hmm. Um, How do I feel? And then do I have the courage to tell you how I really feel? Because I'm presenting an image. I don't know who I am, but I can identify with, oh, Missouri Tigers, University of Missouri, Pittsburgh Steelers, but that's an identity that goes nowhere. Hmm. It's very shallow. Or I'm African-American, and what does that mean? Right. Or I'm the cousin of Arthur Ashe. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Exactly. Uh, Jonathan, as long as we're talking about the football to acting path, mm. I have to relate something. A few years ago, I was living in Boston where I first fell in love with acting. I was working at the Boston Shakespeare Company. In Hamlet, I got to play the role of Marcellus and utter the famous line, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. Now the director, Bill Kane, used non-traditional casting. So for the role of Hamlet's uncle, King Claudius, he chose a black actor, David Fontino. And at some point, David came out to LA. He did lots of television, had recurring roles on different TV series as uh, Judge Robert Parks on The Good Wife. But uh, before David went into acting, he was with the Dallas Cowboys. Not as a starter, but uh, he was on the team. And his family was so, so proud of him. So I was curious and I asked him about it. And he was from Texas and he was, had made it onto the team, but he had this dream to leave and go to New York to study acting. But he got such a negative reaction when he told his family. His uncle was a very traditional kind of guy. He was stunned. And he said, acting? Man, why you want to be a homosexual? <laughs> Seriously. 
Now, breaking this down, you have to guess that what was going through his uncle's head might have been this, that in football, men are men. But in acting or other performing arts where men wear costumes and makeup and perform with women, that men are effeminate or gay. Now, I can't speak for any of the other male actors in that production, but I'm not gay, not yet. And there was one other actor in that production, very memorable. He was a Harvard student at the time, but later went on to Yale School of Drama and has since starred on Broadway and in Hollywood. That's Courtney B. Vance. And as far as I know, he's not gay. You can ask Angela Bassett, I suppose. Okay, well, enough silliness here. <laughs> I wanted to get back to, at that point, Jonathan, after acting, you studied for 15 years with uh, Dr. Gene Klein at Veda, the India School of Yoga in San Francisco, studying Hatha Yoga. And you had studies with Dan Millman, an Olympic athlete and coach, martial artist, and the author of Way of the Peaceful Warrior, which was adapted into a film, Peaceful Warrior with Nick Nolte. Can you speak to some of the additional paths that you traveled on? It's been a journey of really trying to make sense out of life, of finding what gifts and talents I have, work at Juvenile Hall, been a courier. I have worked with um, a gummy animation claymation in, in Sausalito. I was a purchasing coordinator. <laughs> oh, <that's> <laughs> we go around the Bay Area getting things for all the, all the different um, departments. And I had, um, yeah, being around creative geniuses. Yeah. Art Cloakie, Art and Gloria. Been a counselor. Um, develop programs for youth. My daughter just had her first child in New Zealand. And I supported her in, a, in a, a way as she went through her birthing process, um, very similar to her own, where she, it took a long time and then they had to induce her and then there was a breach and then they did a C-section. And so through that process, I was able to just hold space, send energy, and allow what was taking place to take place over a day and a half. Were you with her on the phone? No. This is just through text. This okay. is just through supporting. When I got the message that Inso and Mother were fine, I felt the energy of love, no different than when she came out, I felt this energy of love. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Hmm. Congratulations oh. to you because you just tapped into the energy. So it's all of us. It's just that immediate. Hmm. So it's been one of what gifts do I have and how does it work? And as I look back on it, I, I see that everything is fitting that has brought me to this moment of being with you, being with Dana. 
during the Dao Te Ching. It's a beautiful um, moment, and I'm I'm happy yeah, part of it. Yeah, it's been a spiritual kind of journey to make sense out of this, and especially now, this is an unbelievable moment. No different than the '60s. No different the confusion, the distortion. That mm. everything is has intensified in that way. Yet at this moment, I find myself very focused. And with Dana and I being able to focus our talents really and our gifts to support grounding, to support people being able to relax. Yes. Yeah, such a, such a moment. Could you tell us about Brima, please? Yeah, Brima is a body work and body movement for self-understanding and self-realization. You're not trying to fix. You're not trying to do something particular to someone else. It's more of can you be present with yourself? That there are not two bodies, there's one body, not two energies, one energy. So it's really self-actualization, self-understanding. Yeah. And it's unifying of, of body and mind. Very much so, in the sense that body, mind, and then the feelings come in. Since we don't control our feelings, um, you're harmonizing, you're becoming in harmony with yourself. Yeah. No, it just sounds, it just sounds wonderful. It, becoming in harmony with yourself. And so you could ask your audience what's their experience in receiving the three of us. We can do that. Yeah, okay. You can ask yourself, what is your experience of what we are talking about? How are you feeling in your body, your mind, your emotions? Just being right here, right now. Here, here. Now let's talk about the Tao. Now, when most people hear the Tao, they think, oh, the Tao's up 50 points. But that's a different, <laughs> a different kind of Tao. This Tao is spelled T-A-O, and it's pronounced Tao. It's actually the Tao De Ching. And it was written by the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu 2,500 years ago, or thereabouts. But what really is the Tao or the way? Dana, could you help us understand just in a, in a word what that might be? Well, if you can name it, it's not the Tao. Uh-oh, uh-oh, so we went off on the wrong tangent here. No, it, it has to do with something that we seek, but it, once you find it, it isn't the thing that you found. So whatever we are pursuing is the object of our pursuit, uh -huh. but it's unattainable. It's unmoving. It is, I, you could say it's like God, except that God has a name. The Tao doesn't even have the name the Tao. It is, uh -oh. it is the Tao that can't be named. And if you need a name for it, that's fine. But understanding what you're naming is the name, not the Tao itself. This is like the, the Hebrew tradition of not naming 
God. Sure. sure. And they have it in, in Hinduism as neti. It's not this. It's not that. Okay. So what I call the Tao is not the Tao itself. The Tao itself is beyond description. So oneness. Yes. The, the Tao is expressed by oneness. It, everything related to the Tao Te Ching by anybody at any time in history is all interpreted. There, there are no originals. There are tropes that people agree upon that were in the ancient Chinese translation, but even okay. the multiple translations from China don't go to a single source. If I, if I can stay, it's like when I play sports and I'm in the zone. Mm -hmm. That zone is something that I can keep alive. And the only thing that usually pulls me out of it is my physical limitation. You know, the game's over. There's a time clock. Somebody hits me. I do. Or my zone. identification. Yeah, it's identification with self that pulls me out of the zone. Uh huh. And also not being in the moment, the now. Yeah. 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 Oh. We are coming back to this journey of being enough, just as we are. So that encapsulates being, quote, the only one African-American or being this or being that beyond mm. labelizing and coming home to our true nature. And Bill, you know, Dana really addressed, um, you said football and Tao. When one is in the zone, mm. there's nobody doing it. It's just happening. Mm -hmm. really, you can't take credit for it because you don't know what you're doing. You're just moving. Mm. It's just happening. Mm. Well, and so you take Walter Payton. He, he was not very large, but he had this amazing ability to be moving when the hole was there. When he arrived at the hole, it opened. Mm. If you're a Lawrence McCutcheon type guy or, or a, a Jim Taylor sort of guy, you, you, they powered, they're power runners. Walter Payton may have been strong and he had, had a lot of prowess, but he was fast and agile, like Barry Sanders or somebody like that. They, they didn't sustain by getting hit. They sustained because they didn't get hit. You know, they were, they were a moving target and mm. able to be in that zone. It, it is something that it's alive. As that fellow Staggers used to have. I mean, <laughs> they, don't, they don't catch him and, and throw him to the ground. He made, he made a living out of just staying out of the grass. That's what they say about the Tao. You know, you reach for it, you try to grasp it, and it's just not there. Good. Good analogy, too. Yeah. Sixty-two.
What an amazing treasure trove the Tao is. The stories and tales are endless. Try to follow the Tao and we never get there. Yet every rendering of the Tao is a jewel. The essence of nature, the summation of all possibility, the hidden origin of all being. The Tao enriches everyone, protecting even those who slumber. If a person strays from the path of goodness and brings harm to himself or others, show mercy, do not deny him. The Tao is resilient, indifferent, eternally amenable. Forget putting the Tao into words. Demonstrate the Tao through who you are. Use compassion, stillness. Distance from the Tao can bring harm or worse, ignorance. If someone feels torn from the fabric of wholeness, be soft, receive him. No one is satisfied being part of something when everything is possible. Purge the bad actions, but don't push the person away. When rulers and game changers elevate themselves above the community, don't be seduced by the forces of attention they generate. Showering them with material benefit adulation and privilege cannot begin to compare with the treasures of being awakened to the Tao. Adorn them with the fullness of the Tao's potential. Express the stillness of the Tao that unifies everything. Whatever is ephemeral is no match for that which endures. The ancient masters sought wisdom in how existence was manifest, cultivating the soul as the way to access the Tao. Words could not describe the Tao, so they stopped trying words. They learned the depths of stillness by probing silence. The still point around which all existence is woven, turning over the soil of the Tao, one expression at a time. The sage reminds us that within every misfortune is the seed of opportunity for good. Within every expression, the Tao springs forth like an endless aquifer. Search the waters within yourself to find treasures in the depths. But whether you hide or seek, the Tao will always be a refuge. The Tao 
is the eternal mother of all being and change. Well, Dana, Jonathan, thank you guys so much. You've given us so much to think about and feel and, and your work is just beautiful and moving. You have any number of verses up already and you're creating more all the time. So how can our audience find this on YouTube? What do they look for? They should search Tao Te Ching, T-A-O, T-E-C-H-I-N-G, Dana White. You guys are in for such a treat to see these and just meditate on them and just be with them. So I want to thank you both so much for the time that you've spent. Very generous to spend your time and, and share your insights with us. So Dana, Jonathan, thank you. And until next time, have a great and meaningful and wonderful day. Thank Bye. you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for listening to But You're Not Funny. Please subscribe on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Bill Hoverston. You can see my work at BillHoverston.com. It's been a pleasure.